0: Thank God it's Friday. You're listening to TGIF, the horror movie podcast that brings you all the casual conversations about your favourite or not-so-favourite horror movies with your host, me, Kat. This week, I am joined by film critic, podcast host, and writer, Lucy. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: I'm so excited because um, you've chosen a movie that I really adore. I haven't read the book. I know that you have. um, But now I kind of want to read the book. Because I'm assuming it's a lot more media than the movie.
1: Yes, um, I don't know if you want me to kind of go into any details about the book, but uh,
0: whenever you want.
1: There's a lot of okay. So obviously, in the, in the film, you know, she hits him with a sledgehammer, right? Um, in the 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 novel, she actually axes his foot off. So it's oh my a lot Lord. more brutal, <laughs> um, and there's a lot more mutilation in it so yeah that's the key difference and I think it's a shame they didn't do it in the film but you know the book is typically Stephen King typically ridiculously graphic so <laughs>
0: it's it, you, you, the things you'd expect from a Stephen King book
1: it's probably my favourite book of his I remember reading it in like three days uh, oh, wow. like we, were a, we were on a holiday with like family, and I took it along with me, and I was just glued to this book. Like <laughs> just, <laughs> it was, oh, it's so good, yeah, yeah. And then I saw the film after the book, so that was actually one that I did like the the correct quote unquote way around. So, yeah, it was yes, it was, the was correct way. Yeah, because <laughs> the book came first, so yeah, it's just yeah. I would recommend it though. I think you'll love it, and you you not want to put it down. Like just stylistically, the way he kind of um you know like even the way it's outlined on the page and stuff like it's just really clever so i think i think you didn't okay. you get a lot out of it it's really good yeah
0: <laughs> i find it fascinating when authors write books about authors yeah cuz you're mm. kind of like have you had experiences like this <laughs> Well, obviously not like
1: this, but
0: overall, I'm
1: wondering like if it's some kind of like Stephen King nightmare that he's had or something like that. Oh
0: my
1: gosh! I don't know the inspiration for misery. I probably should know that, but you you know maybe maybe he thought, oh, this could happen to me one day. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I think yeah, it's strange when when you kind of see maybe it's an insight into his own (laughs) psyche. Something he's
0: terrified of happening.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know. Yes, (laughs)
0: Yes, <laughs> Annie,
1: Wilkes, Annie Wilkes is not exactly a great fan. So no,
0: but it is um, really. quite quite interesting that I, I'm not too sure what year. Oh, the 80, 87 the the book came out. So they actually mm-hmm. came out with this um, adaptation quite quickly after the book came yes. out, which is really fascinating. But yeah. it says a lot about fan culture, even back then. That yeah. this is something that people can be scared of. Like I'd expect this kind of behavior to happen now. Like it, yeah. it probably does in a, in some way, shape or form. Like this obsession mm-hmm. and, you know, um, parasocial relationships and what now that whatnot that we have now. But the fact that Stephen King wrote about this in eighty-seven, you're just like, Were what, what was fan culture like in the eighties for him to write something like this?
1: Yeah, it's a really good point. I think obviously now with social media, you know, you can get like obsessive stan culture and you can basically tweet at like your, your favourite directors and whatever. But like obviously Annie has to go out of her way to do what she does throughout the course of the film to get what she wants. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's It's a lot less accessible for her to like basically torment Paul. Um, so i i think but it's interesting isn't it because it is a very early example of stan, of stan culture you know i know i know yeah. the most recent scream did tackle that very well um but obviously that was for a contemporary audience so it's interesting to see how it's changed over over time uh and yeah, yeah i just the shit that like paul goes he goes through it so you know it's it's oh, yes. quite the show <laughs> <It's>, yes <laughs> It's, I mean, and again, in the book, you know, it's, it's his torment is expo- you know explored incredibly well, and you just like this poor man. He this- <laughs> just wanted to finish this book. He just wanted to kill off this character for Christ's sake. Like, just let him do it.
0: <laughs> you know, He's just over it. <laughs> 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 um. So, a little bit bit about misery. It is a 1990 American psychological thriller film directed by Rob Rainer based on Stephen King's novel of the same name. It stars James, James Kahn or Kahn? How would you pronounce it? I think it's Kahn. Yeah. With two A's, it's Kahn, right? I think so. Uh, Kathy Bates, Lauren Bacall, Richard Farnsworth and Francis Sternhagen. It's about an obsessive fan who holds an author captive and forces him to write a story. The film was released in the United States on November 30th, 1990, two days after my birthday, after my first birthday. Happy birthday to me, um, <laughs> by Columbia Pictures. It received highly positive reviews and was a box office success. Bates' performance drew widespread praise from critics and won her the Academy Award for Best Best Actress at the 63rd Academy Awards, making Misery the only film based on the Stephen King novel to win an Oscar. King himself has stated that Misery is one of his top... 10 favorite film adaptations. Imagine being able to be king and say that, like, oh, it's in my top ten of yeah. my of my book. <laughs> of your Adapta- repertoire. Yeah. You know <laughs> and that's
1: high praise from him because he's been very critical of previous adaptations. know yeah. he did not like The Shining. I know mm-hmm. I know that much. Um, it's interesting that Misery did it for him. and I'm, and I'm happy it did, because I think yeah. it's aside from a few graphic differences shall we say it's pretty spot on from the novel so I can see why he got I mean I mean Kathy Bates I mean if she hadn't won that Oscar she would have been robbed frankly because Christ she's so good I mean she's gone on to do more horror things but this was kind of such a a turning point for her and it's still my favorite performance of hers like even after American Horror Story I'm like no this is still the best like this is Um, it
0: yeah (laughs) I I, because my grandma loves this movie um, yeah, and I said to her, I was like, "Oh, this was months and months ago when I was like, I'm gonna finally watch Misery. I've been meaning to do it. I'm gonna just put it on. It had actually just come to a streaming service here, so I was like, Hell yeah!
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she was, I was like, I love Kathy Bates, and she's like, I don't know if you're gonna love her that much after this movie. <laughs> <laughs> after I watched it, I was like, Grammar, I love her even more. What are you talking about? Yeah, she's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I love her in American Horror Story. Like she is phenomenal. Oh, I am a big Kathy Bates fan. Uh, Evans? Yeah, everybody should be. And, you know, you've got Kathy Bates, our other, you know, queens of horror. You've got Tony Collette. Mm. That's about it for me. Um, (laughs) Tony Collette was robbed. (laughs) Give her the Oscar. Yes. (laughs) Human. It is human cruelty Mm -hmm. uh, to not give her that Oscar. Um, So let's dive in to misery. Whenever I say misery, I almost say business afterwards and I'm like, I've got to stop doing that. (laughs) This isn't Paramore. Um, (laughs) um, So at the beginning of the film, we meet novelist Paul Sheldon, who he's having, um, he's at his, uh, what is the word for agent? Because he's in the- Yeah, like agent. Is it an agent? I don't know. You don't don't really find out what what this person is. (laughs) Yeah, some kind of manager, I guess.
1: (laughs) Important (laughs) person.
0: (laughs) An important person. They have a very nice office, so (laughs) I'm guessing they're important. Yeah. Um, and they're discussing the the release of his latest book. Um, the book is a successful series of Victorian era romance novels. And they revolve around a heroine character named Misery Chastain. I don't know why you'd name someone Misery. That's a horrible name.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know those obviously the Victorian era had a lot of melancholy in it, but even even <laughs> so that's a bit of a stretch, isn't it? I mean <laughs> it's a bit odd.
0: Oh, what other names would they give people? Um uh... oh, yeah.
1: I mean, I guess you've got, like, Maleficent. Like, Maleficent is a sort of, is yeah. a horrible word as well, isn't it? Like, it's yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: just very strange. I would have loved yeah, to have
0: seen the other weird names that people had in the Victorian era.
1: It's an odd name for a character. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people don't realise that the, the character in the novel is called Misby when they first, like, get into this. They just assume yeah. it's about Sheldon's state of mind, I suppose. But, you know, it's it, 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 it's literally the character, which is, it's an insane name, but hey. Who are we uh, to Georgia?
0: I like it. I was like, okay, I really yeah. I really love it. And it's it's funny that um Annie Wilkes has attached herself to a character named Misery as well, where really? she's found so much of her own joy out of a character named Misery. It's so Yes. Yeah. It's a little strange juxtaposition considering the person that she is and the person that she describes misery to be. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, Paul is driving back home from his, I don't know, I think he's gone somewhere and obviously come back. Look, I'm really bad at this. Uh, he's caught in a sto- snowstorm where he loses control of, his, control of his car and swerves off the road um, into a ditch, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a flashback in this moment where he, it says here, publishing agent, Marsha, She has, they even- they even have a name, excellent, Um, is basically cracking it at Paul for killing off Misery. Uh, Sorry, Misery's Child. No, Mm -hmm. Killing Off Misery in Misery's Child, which is his latest book. He said if he didn't kill Misery off, he would not have ended up writing her forever. He would have ended up writing her forever and states he's leaving, he's going to Colorado, he's going to finish his new book because his plans is to um, kill Misery off in the new book. Mm Mm-hmm. In uh, in the present, Paul is knocked out unconscious in his car but is saved by a woman, um, uh, Kathy Bates, who is a former nurse living outside of Silver Creek, Colorado, who takes him back to her house. And um, she's going to nurse him back to health, <laughs> basically. That's,
1: that's the one nice thing she does for him the whole film. <laughs>
0: uh, yes. <yeah. laughs> it just gets worse from here on out (laughs) it really does um so um i've just lost where i'm up to Uh, oh god um so she's decided that she's going to be his nurse basically she's a number one fan um she's gonna she's gonna get him back to health sorry i'm just looking for something um Mm -hmm. My notes aren't what I thought it was. <laughs> so he, we find out that he has broken both his legs and dislocated his shoulder at this point. Yes. Which is absolutely freaking horrible. Pretty um, serious, yeah. Yeah, he, and he looks pretty, pretty bunged up as well. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> He looks horrible. It. He has been through it, but Annie presents herself as quite a personable person. She is very excited about the fact that he is staying in her house. <laughs>
1: um, mm.
0: she's like got a little bit of a fan girl moment, hasn't she? That she's having at this point in time.
1: Yeah, I think obviously she starts out incredibly, you know, uh, you know, complimentary, and you know, I'm your number one fan and whatever. And it's only until she discovers what he's done that's when she goes into that rage right yeah and I like that about Annie I like the fact that she can flip that quickly it's very it's very terrifying um and you know for for a non-supernatural threat she's incredibly she's incredibly convincing as well you know there, there are people like that out there so it just yeah. it just it chills me it's oh there's a lot
0: <laughs> the um I really love the conversation that they first have when <laughs> she gets really upset that he's swearing in his book and well, she's yeah. like getting more and more worked up about it and um excuse me and it was just like oh she is really um pedantic about the way that she likes paul to write these characters and obviously you know she's followed misery from start to where where the character is now and yeah she really goes into a rage over swearing because she's just like what does she say um oh you know you don't go down the store and just talk this way and it's like I can't yeah. remember what she says, but it sounded so uh, innocent in a way that she doesn't quite understand how people interact with one another in a, in in that particular situation.
1: Yeah, she's got her own sort of – she's in her own little world, really, isn't she? I mean, she's quite, a, she, she is quite literally isolated because where she lives yeah. is basically the middle of nowhere. Mm. It was literally just her and like her, her pet pig and all that stuff. You it, was know, like it's, <laughs> it was
0: also named Misery.
1: also named Misery, really weird um And yeah, she because she she has a vision for like what she wants from misery and from Paul, and like it's her way or the highway essentially. um But mm. yeah, she does. She gets very pressed about like strong language, doesn't she? Yeah. it is quite comical, actually. Right, because the way she kicks off about it, she can't she can't bring herself to swear either. Really. Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> so she says really <laughs> weird things where you are like, "That's not even a sentence." <laughs> I'm
1: mean, she says like she keeps saying like dirty word and stuff, and just saying. Yeah. Like, Obviously, like like just different ways of saying it. Like it's quite, it's very unnatural. Yeah. Um, so Annie is Annie's a very un- unnatural character. I mean, people, you know,
0: I I would be scared of her. <laughs> you know, uh, so. Yes, yeah. I absolutely freaking would. Yeah. <laughs> so the ne- the next day, she lets Paul sleep, and she brings home um, a copy of the last uh, Misery book, and over the over a couple of days she's talking about how many pages she's read and she's so proud of herself and i've read this and i've read that and mm-hmm. then the next that night she comes in and is like in a murderous rage over the fact that misery has died in the book yeah. um and she admits to him that she has never called the local hospital she hasn't called anyone nobody's coming for him mm-hmm. and basically threatens to kill him if anything happens to her he wants to get out he tries to escape um but she is able to subdue him and um the the... because it's it's really odd the night to day cycle in this because it's just um I got I get confused about what how many days he was event like in this place and I think that that's the point of it that you're Mm. not meant to really know um, how much time has really passed.
1: Yeah, everything just sort of blurs into one. Um, mm. You're right. It's in... <laughs> but I think maybe that was intentional, because oh, Paul, yeah. like, Paul hasn't got a clue. He just He's just lying there like,
0: oh, Jesus. <laughs> like... <laughs> what is going on? What a man. Um, the the next morning, um, Annie comes in, quite happily, bringing a small like barbecue in with her, and tells him that he has to burn the manuscript. To restart, he's got to start yeah. all over again, um, and that misery has to come back to life. So misery's already been killed off in the in the I think the previous book, and mm-hmm. then um, he has to bring her back to life. It's the Victorian era. I really highly doubt that they were had magic at this yeah. point, like <laughs> that writing that into their romance novels.
1: Yeah, she's but she's adamant that he finds a way to bring her back. Yeah, and. It is it is funny how a lot of fans of the particular characters, even in real life, would behave in this way, though. Yeah. You know, the, the second someone's killed off, people like fly into this rage because people get so protective over protagonists and characters. And, you know, I'm kind of singling them out here, but you do see this, like, you know, especially with, like, comic book characters and, like, the MCU yeah. and stuff. They have very dedicated fans. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but, you know, people have very strong opinions. And I think... <laughs> That's basically what Annie is. She's like, <laughs> the I love her. Of of yeah, she did. <laughs>
0: yeah, like bring her back. back. <laughs> and it's like I, I, I don't have that with my characters. Like if they die off, I know it's purposely done. It's part of the story. It's their time was done. And I think mm. I'm very accepting of the artist's work and that yeah. that's just part of their process as well like imagine how hard it is for an author or a, a movie writer anybody to kill off one of their own characters that they've spent so long building the lives of being attached to writing their dialogue writing their love story and then to kill them off yeah i mean like, like it can't be what the hell? No not at all <laughs> Like, when they killed Dumbledore in Harry Potter, like, imagine, look, we all don't like J.K. Rowling, that's fine, she's a turf, but Mm -hmm. still, that would have been hard for her to do, and be like, well, I've got to kill off Dumbledore. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, you're absolutely
1: right, I think it's very difficult for writers, but I think, you know, obviously he has motivation for it, though, because he wants to do a new project, he wants to start something new. And I think that's that's healthy for any kind of creative. Is like, okay. Well, I'm done with this one. Now we're going to move on to another one. But yeah. that's obviously not not how Annie sees it at all. She's got no interest in his new project. I think his new project's a bit, I think it's like a crime one. It's a bit more modern. I yeah, think.
0: I, think I think that's I think what
1: the plastic. Yeah. So she's like, no, I don't. <laughs> no, you will right bits. I want misery. Yeah, she's she's on a mission at this point, and it's like. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs>
0: um. <laughs> So he asks Annie to go and buy some paper for him, uh, because the paper that he has smudges. And so she actually loses her shit over this as well, because she's yeah. just like, you are inconveniencing me now. I want this book done now. The entitlement is very strong <laughs> yeah. from Annie, which like, you know, is another thing about um, you know, intense fandom and that culture around it is this entitlement that people have. Yeah. For for them to have what they want, it's um I find it so strange. Maybe I should write a research paper on it just for fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> toxic fandoms.
1: It's a really good point, actually. I'm I'm happy you pointed that out because like she, yeah, she she demands that she wants this, but she won't help him to get it yeah. Or she feels inconvenienced by it. And it's like, well, yeah. you can't you can't have your cake and eat it though. You have to have a bit of. Well, when she's no. not rational, I was going to say not is she like no. <laughs> you have to sort of have patience or at least help them to achieve the thing that you're demanding otherwise it's just not going to happen and she's like oh I've got to buy
0: you paper are you joking like she's just no I've got oh fuck what yeah. <laughs> how dare you how dare you make me do that but she does uh decide that she will go out and help him in this circumstance mm-hmm. um During this time, Paul has found a hairpin and he uses it to unlock the bedroom door and uh, try to escape. However, he soon finds out that the... Oh, the the font is so close together. Um, He goes out into (laughs) the living room in the medicine cabinet and in the living room, he knocks down a small ceramic penguin off the table but puts it back the wrong way. He also realises that Annie's phone is which means he can't call anybody there is nothing he cannot reach out to anybody at this point he is stuck he takes some of the pills from annie's medicine cabinet um the ones that she's been giving him for his pain and he he's trying to get out as much as he's got broken legs at this point he's in a wheelchair he's he's doing his best to get the heck out of there but unfortunately he doesn't get out make a exit anywhere and quickly goes back into the room in time for Annie's arrival back at the house yes um so she uh cuz he's in the room but she he's in the wheelchair so she puts him back into bed gives him his notepad and his pills and that's it for the night so i feel like that yeah this cycle of the day night gets very, like you said very blurred but I think it's done intentionally because mm. we're just like how long is she keeping him for
1: yeah I think you doing? Th- this is it like you know at this point you're thinking like she wants the novel done she wants it ri- written Yeah, but would she let him go after that point? Like, what was her end goal? Would she just keep him forever? <laughs> like, <what is laughs> are it? you
0: just having him forever? What is do you the novel like?
1: just for her? Does she want it to get published? It's like Annie, Annie, please be <laughs> 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 <Like>, reasonable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's at this point where you know, even us as audience members are just like, what? What's your motivation, girl? Like, what is this? Like, it's it's very strange. Um, and this is like obviously one of many attempts from poor Paul because in the book. As you can imagine, there are you know he tries it a lot. (laughs) And it's like, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so then there's like a little bit of a montage where he is writing. He's he's Mm -hmm. writing this new project, he's playing along with misery's uh whatever she's got going on. (laughs) Which is actually quite terrifying when you think about it, because um, you know, this is a bit like uh, uh, almost a you know captive, because um, uh, I know they don't like to use the word Stockholm syndrome anymore because it suggests that the person isn't doing these things for their own protection. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas we all know that that's why um, people who have been kidnapped and placed in you know confinement do do these things to protect themselves, and so we can see that Paul is doing this. Yeah. She, he is doing whatever he can to keep himself safe.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think he's just trying to, you know, keep her anger away because her anger is a big part of it. When she flies yeah. into that rage, it becomes un- uncontrollable, as we see much later on during the film's more climactic moments. Um, he, yeah, he he knows that if he does this, he's going to keep getting his painkiller. She's not going to kick off. She's not going to hurt him. So that that that's his primary motivation. He he does not care about misery. He he does not like this character. At <laughs> this no. point, he resents misery because he's she's got him into this situation. Quite frankly, so he's like, oh my god, like I don't want to be here. <laughs> this character's done this to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he just yeah. wants to be, wants to be done with it.
0: But he just he's can't. just like now. I wrote this character, and now it's put me in this spot. Yeah, she's part? like she's
1: literally a ghost. She's like haunting him at this point <laughs> <laughs> this this poor man just wanted to kill off one of his characters. Like, come on. Like, just let him do it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So while this is all happening, Marsha, Paul's agent or public, I was one of these and I can't even say the word, a publicist. She thinks that he might've gone missing because she hasn't heard from him for a while. And she calls the uh, Silver Creek Sheriff and his name is Buster. And Buster says, mm, nothing's been heard around here. Don't know what's going on. But I'll put Paul's name into the system and we'll keep in touch with you and let you know if we find anything. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the Silver Creek police station is just Buster and his wife. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Poor Buster, yeah. Oh, and I love uh because um, there's a scene with him and his wife um, that he comes in and. They're talking about um his oh, I don't know, there was just a really funny exchange between the two where Oh I wish I could remember now.
1: I can't remember it, like verbatim no, but I know but it's what you want. To funny funny.
0: Yeah. <laughs> where she makes a joke about his wife and it's like you you are his wife.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's very it's very kind of hilariously small town, isn't it? So obviously yeah unfortunately for paul there's not exactly like a manhunt out for him right now Do no. you know what i mean there's not like an they F- don't have the resources either him. yeah it's, it's no like... one knows where he is and frankly no one really cares that much at this point yeah because, because he did
0: yeah, yeah he did let his agent know that he was going to silver creek to write so she yeah. knew he's going somewhere he's going he, that's where he'll be but he um he <laughs> the buster's system <laughs> that he told Marsha about is a post-it note and he writes Paul Sheldon's name and puts it on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Brilliant. Groundbreaking. Uh, Paul Sheldon. Like that's my system as well. Don't worry everyone. Like I don't have a diary. Every year my sister used to buy me a diary, like a journal planner. And this year she didn't. And I was like, I wonder why. And I think she's caught on to the fact that I don't really use them. (laughs)
1: <laughs> like I I
0: love the idea of them but for me an easier way of doing things is like a weekly to do list yeah and I'll just like cross those things off like appointments get put in my phone because they like get emailed to me so they automatically go into like my iPhone calendar um all those kinds of things you know so it's quite simple and easy but yeah, that'd be my—that's my system. Like, I had to look for something for a friend, and I was like, "Hold that thought." I'm gonna put it on a post-it note and stick it on my desk so I don't forget.
1: Yeah. I am such a planner girl. Like, we are so different. Like, I love a planner. <laughs> I have like you know a little sort of like color-coded systems, and like you know, How I put in my, I'll write down my appointments and stuff. I, I just do that. I just prefer it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like because everyone's I... so different. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have ADHD, <laughs> so my brain's like it doesn't function in like planner world. I love it. I used to have gorgeous like bullet journals because I love yeah. drawing, um, and but I loved the drawing part, but I didn't like using them to write things
1: in. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I feel like if it's not in my planner, it doesn't exist. If that makes sense, so, like, my, my brain yeah. is like, you have to write this down now, otherwise, it's not happening. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> my partner does
0: that. Like sometimes yeah. a friend will message me and be like, "Oh, do you want to hang out this weekend?" I was like, "Hold on a second, I have to ask Ned if we're doing anything this weekend because he'll have it in his in his diary or like his yeah. planner or his phone Always or his me. calendar." So I have to be like, "Are we doing something this weekend? Or do we have plans like dinner or booking anything?" And if he's like, "No," nah, I'm like, "Okay, sweet, I'm free this weekend." Yeah. I'm just yeah. so hopeless. Like I collect. I just have like a hardcover notepad, and that's how I write my that's my organization. That's
1: it. The thing is, done. There's no right way or wrong. way as long as it works nah. for you. you know? and, then, and if this police department relies on posted notes, and so <laughs> then that's you. That's fine. That works for them. <laughs>
0: then that's I cool. support his system.
1: There we go. You see, it's cut approved. So there we go. We're all good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. So back at Annie's house, she is shaving Paul's face and asks if she can read Paul's newest book. Oh, wait, this is. Is this the right bit?
1: I believe so, yes.
0: Yeah. I've got it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I think I'm doubled back. I really missed a bit. Oh, okay. Hang on. Yeah, I doubled back. Okay. Because I swapped between two notes. <laughs> okay. That's why I did all right. we saw Buster.
1: Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you were a bit too far. I did. I
0: yeah. went a bit too I far. Do. I apologize, everybody. <laughs> Fix it um... <laughs> Uh, I, fix in force. I think everything in I it's... It all the time. Oh yeah, that's right. I can stitch all this together. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Oh my god, what have I done? Okay. Yeah. No, it's all good. So, sorry. The Buster section happened before we found before Annie had found out what happened to Misery. Um, in Misery's Child because it's um, Misery had died in childbirth and um, this is where she angrily says, I've never called the doctors, never called the hospital, your agent, your family, no one knows where you are. And basically, um, yeah, she says that he should hope nothing happens to her because if I die, you die. And then just leaves the house.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she's is so in control at this point and you kind of look at Annie and you think she's very, you know like I I don't want to be nasty but she's not she she doesn't look that intimidating at face value you know, she's a very sort of like weirdly wholesome sort of like, you know middle-aged woman just living on her own you wouldn't think she's a threat but she has so much power in in this one interaction alone (laughs) when paul's (laughs) like shit i need you otherwise i'm screwed
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah she um...
1: retakes her power in this scene and it's like oh my days like this is not nice
0: (laughs) you are not a nice person and i think it's a really interesting contrast that they do show her being her polite self but we can see as a viewer that it's a manipulation to sure. get what she wants. And then mm-hmm. when the manipulation doesn't work, it is that real unbridled anger where she's just like, no, you will do what I tell you. You've got no choice.
1: Yeah. And it is interesting because you wonder where it came from because we don't really know like mm. what really shaped Annie. And I would like to
0: know. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Hold on one second. Yeah. That's I'm fine. just going to pause this. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Yeah, it's all good. Oh, my grandma is just not well at the moment. It's just, oh, bless her. Yeah. I think it's just medication and stuff like that. So I was just making sure, sure. she was all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. The next morning, Buster puts a little call out in the newspaper about Paul being missing. Because, you know, small town, it makes sense to newspaper everyone will see it it's also the 80s so it makes so much sense (laughs) um he is talking to the publicist and tells her that nothing has been reported yet virginia his wife lets him know that she's done a credit check on paul Sheldon and that the most recent use of his credit card was at the silver creek lodge so they're slowly catching up to wherever paul may be in this whole situation yeah um any uh, cuz uh also Paul, uh, Buster gets a helicopter to go out looking for Paul which I thought was really impressive. Yeah. I was like okay. Look Wait, at you. Yeah, there's A helicopter. <laughs> we in the budget. <laughs> <like>. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have a massive police force, but we have a helicopter. We got that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny isn't it because you know obviously you mentioned like they were able to track like his credit card and stuff and I think yeah in this day and age, like, with social media and stuff, like, he's a big writer, he'd probably be on social media, it would be easier to sort of, you know, location track and, like, find my iPhone and stuff, but obviously that didn't exist, so this is even harder for them to find Paul. <laughs> it's in just this like, where even is he? Because it's just credit card and, like, the newspaper and that's it. <laughs> yeah, And <laughs> I, can't
0: don't imagine that, yeah. I can't imagine that Silver Creek is very big either, so at least like, yeah. it'll get to everybody. Everyone will see yeah. it and be like, oh, Paul Sheldon, this author, is missing. Um, Annie that night gives Paul the painkillers and he now at this point starts to stockpile his pain medication. He pretends Uh to take the medication. He doesn't. Um, soon after Paul is kind of okay, well enough, feeling all right to get out of bed. And in this room that Annie has (laughs) held him captive, (laughs) He she sets up a table for him and brings in a typewriter. Mm. Um, but it's missing an N key, <laughs> which I thought was kinda cute, because he was like, oh, the N key's missing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is this is a fun thing with the novel. Um, in the (laughs) in the chapters where they kind of show his manuscript of the new one that he's writing of misery, like they've kind of drawn in like an N for every single time the N is is missing. Wow. Okay. It's really clever the way that it's really funny. Yeah. Oh, (laughs)
0: because N is a really like. (laughs) commonly used letter as well
1: it's used like a sort of, I assume it's like a handwriting style font you know that they found when they put yeah. it in um, it's a really cool <laughs> oh, thing you know, I imagine that.
0: having to do that in the typesetting. you're the person who to do that
1: <laughs> it made me laugh the first time I read it I was like oh that's clever I, I like love that. it <laughs> yeah.
0: um, and he lets her know that he's going to write a new book called Misery's Return where the character will come back from the dead <laughs>
1: convincing
0: yeah i'm convinced
1: yeah we didn't know that there was magic in misery like you said but there is now so there is
0: now zombie misery i guess um annie is absolutely thrilled and proclaims that this will be a book in her honor for saving his life and nursing him back to health Mm -hmm. um and this is because yeah i fucked up and didn't put the right notes in. This is where he wants the right paper and she leaves the house. Mm. Um and Paul escapes the room, knocks over this penguin, and um puts it in the wrong spot. So in all of this, the police have found Paul's car in the because he fell off the side of like not a very steep mountain or but a cliff face. Um mm-hmm. and Buster says um that he's he's doubtful that Paul um crawled out of this because he was definitely dragged out um there are dents on the outside of the car on the door because Annie had used a crowbar crowbar a crowbar to pry open the door yeah. <laughs> so she's quite resourceful um interesting she uh yeah Annie, Mm. Um, (laughs) hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So whilst in bed, Paul uh, rips out a piece of paper from the notepad that Annie had given him and folds himself a little pocket, which he pours the contents of his painkiller capsules and, um, you know, starts stashing that away in this little hidden pocket that he's got now. Uh, He begins writing the book, believing that Annie will definitely kill him if he doesn't. He's like, this woman is going to murder me if I don't write this book. Mm. Because, you know, bad shit happens. Bad shit is happening.
1: You do wonder, though, like, if Annie did kill him, like, would she get this closure closure she apparently wants? Because if Paul was dead, then Misery would also be dead, Right. So it's always been baffling to me because her motivation is bring misery back. So if she did murder Paul, it makes it, I've always wondered, like, would she feel some remorse for that? Would she feel like she'd, it's interesting, because she would Mm. be like, oh, well, I've killed my favourite character because I killed the author. It's an interesting one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because her motivation shouldn't be to kill him. Yeah. Because it's like, if you kill him, then you're definitely not going to have misery back
1: exactly yeah so if i've always wondered but like if there was an alternative timeline and then she did kill him what would happen I, you know i always i like to speculate this kind of stuff i'm like hmm. i mean like
0: steven yeah. would probably write that <laughs> yeah man <laughs> i'd like him to yeah i'd really like that too as well mm, um good, Stephen. <laughs> uh there's a moment where he gives her I think a chapter or a couple of chapters from the book and she reads them and she basically is like no this isn't it um (laughs) you've basically cheated you've cheated um and she talks about a moment from her childhood where she um went and saw Rocketman at the cinemas and I wrote the quote down um, because it's quite interesting what she what she says. Because it shows um like her thought processes about what she wants from this misery book mm-hmm. and why she feels so cheated by the way that people do films and, and she's quite jaded, you know. <laughs> she is, yeah. Um she says to him dun, dun, dun. Oh, my gosh. Um. Oh. She, <laughs> she tells him the story of when she was growing up in Bakersfield. I've been to Bakersfield, by the way. <laughs> Mm-mm. Oh. I stopped in... So my partner and I went to the States in 2017 um, mm-hmm. for a month or so. And we did the... Um, the Highway 66, Route 66, 666, yeah. or whatever. It, I don't know. But it goes through Bakersfield, and I was like, yeah. oh, I have to go to the toilet. Now, I'd never heard of Bakersfield. All I knew is that um, a couple of the guys from the band Corn lived there. They grew up in Bakersfield. And that's yeah. all I knew about Bakersfield. <laughs> and I go into the toilet. It's like a 40-degree day. Oh, no. Like, I go into the petrol station, and I've got, like, a singlet on. I'm not wearing a bra. I've just got a singlet top on and a pair of shorts. And there's, like, a really old, creepy dude behind the counter. And I was like, can I use the bathroom? And he just, like, was staring down my shirt. And I was like, you know what? I'll hold it till Vegas. Jesus. it's like a stereotype from like a Texas Chainsaw
1: Massacre film or something. Isn't it? <laughs> and then they, they go to like a service station and the guy's like really creepy and you're like, never mind.
0: <laughs> you know what, I've watched too many horror movies to know how this ends. Oh, will exactly. back this to is the It's a
1: stereotype, my God.
0: <laughs> yeah, I literally just got back in the car and my partner's like, did you go to the toilet? I was like, no, the gas station dude creeped me out. He was like, okay, fair enough. He's like, we'll go to the next one. <laughs> He's like, let's oh go. I was crazy. like, I will pee on the side of the road if I have to. Uh, but yeah and I know that Bakersfield is not a you know it's a quite small town it's quite um, you know not a lot of money and and whatnot from from my understanding could be wrong I could be wrong yeah and um, she's talking about how she used to go to chapter plays which I I don't really know what chapter plays are no is it a is it a film or is it an actual like play
1: I don't know. I'm curious now. Uh, never <laughs> it, it, it does mention it, but I don't really. I don't know if it's yeah. just because I'm a I'm a millennial. I don't know what I'm talking about. But you know, chapter plays. It says, "Uh, oh, it's like a serial film, like a movie serial."
0: Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, I've never heard it
1: called me. that. Um, yeah, so a serial film, film serial, or chapter play.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's what. Interesting. Learn something new every day. There we go. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> um. And she's like, um, he calls them, he says, you know, he um, corrects her saying cliffhangers. And she says, I know that, Mr. Man. They always called them serials. I'm not stupid, you know. Anyway, my favourite was Rocket Man. And once it was a no-brakes chapter, the guy stuck him in a car on a mountain and knocked him out and welded the door shut and tore out the brakes and and started him off to his death. And he woke up and tried to steer and tried to get out of the car. Like, the way she speaks is really confusing. Um, but the car went off the cliff before he could escape. And it crashed and burned. And I was so upset and excited. And the next week, you better believe I was first in line. And they always start with the end of the last week. And there was Rocket Man trying to get out. And here comes the cliff. Cliff... And just before the car went off the cliff, he jumped free. All the kids cheered, but I didn't cheer. I stood up and started shouting, this isn't what happened last week. Have you have you all got amnesia? They just cheated us. This isn't fair. He didn't get out of the cock a car. I love that. That That's yeah. her
1: word. She gets hysterical. Like you say, yeah. his, his speech patterns are unhinged. So even reading these quotes, I, I understand why you might trip up because you're like, my God, like, I don't know how Kathy Beards did it, to be fair, because, like, she
0: oh. makes it seem so natural. <laughs> yeah, like, it, and it's so, like, I have a real big issue with reading um, books that are written in, like, a stream of consciousness thought, mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is what this feels like. Exactly like, what it is, yeah. you yeah. are just like, whoa, that comes from your head to your mouth and out, and that's so crazy mm-hmm. um, that she feels. But it is, it shows the level of frustration that she has about when people do something wrong by her. Um, yeah, or that she feels like she's been wronged by somebody.
1: She definitely has standards for seemingly her entertainment. That's what she's kicking off about, and like she doesn't, yeah. she doesn't like it when other people don't view it the way that she does. So she'd be a terrible film critic, really, because yeah, <laughs> you know, you all have different views, and that's fine. But she's like, no, no, I'm correct. And you're like, all right, okay, Annie. All right. She's, she yeah got some strong thoughts. That woman.
0: Uh, definitely. So after her outburst regarding Rocket Man, Paul decides that he's going to ride it for the second time. So yep. he gets back to work because um, there's montages of her like bringing him tea and him riding and um, him just knowing that if he doesn't do this, then there's going to be problem. If he doesn't do it the way that she wants to, he might not get out of there alive, mm-hmm. which is absolutely terrifying.
1: And it must have been worse for him at this point because he's written a bit and she hates it. So he's <laughs> like, "Oh no!" So not. So I'm getting bad feedback. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> just being captive. Like, what more do you want from me? Like honestly, what do you she's. Want me to do? <laughs> yeah, she, she won't accept the first draft. She's not happy about it.
0: Yeah, it's so mm-hmm. it's so scary. She is quite mm-hmm. a scary and intimidating character. She me- is. Because she can, yeah, she definitely goes from zero to one hundred so damn quick. And Paul is just learning over, you know, these couple of interactions how to manage that expectation from her and what he needs to do to not die. Yeah. Pause, pause, pause. And again,
1: again, like like I said earlier, she does not look like, you know, quote unquote, look like a like a, a killer or, or or anybody dangerous. She's very deceptively sort of. She, she looks like a boring midtown woman, but she's really not. And I love yeah. the, the looks can be deceiving kind of thing because she's got like <laughs> you know, the kind of frumpy clothes, like I said, and she's just very. But she's also she's. Oh, I don't know. I I just absolutely love the character. I just think she's incredible. <laughs> she's just yeah. i've got a picture of her up here, and I'm like, she just looks so. She looks she looks fine. But when you know what she's doing, you're like, oh no.
0: <laughs> I know what's going on in there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> or maybe yeah. I don't really. Um, so as he's writing, Annie is, this second go through his book. We see that Annie is approving and is enjoying, you know, accepting what is happening to misery in this new story that that Paul is concocting, mainly probably just for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she is so excited; she decides she's going to put her Liberace records on, and it, it's such a an odd thing, because we've heard how she speaks, we've seen how she behaves, and mm-hmm. then she puts on a Liberace record.
1: Yes, that's not very on brand for her, so you no. would not think- <laughs> No. no.
0: <laughs> and like you said, she's very selective about the me- her media and her entertainment, and I just found it so fascinating that she's like, I'm going to put Liberace on. Let's celebrate with Liberace. Yeah,
1: she's... Gosh... I don't know. I, I mean, who, who are we to judge what she listens to, right? Yeah, <laughs> she, but, but again, she's got, she's very passionate about what she's passionate about, but like too much. Like, yeah. would she pick up the I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> she, if she had the chance.
0: <laughs> um, so that boring. night, Paul invites Annie to dinner, to which she accepts. Um during this time, Buster has gathered um a whole bunch of misery novels, and I like that he is sitting in bed reading them about like reading them. Yeah. Um, and he says, if I can't find Paul, maybe I can find out what he wrote about. Yeah. And this is where he, this is the funny interaction, because his wife teases him about it, saying, Oh, you bought them for another woman. <laughs> Because they're romance novels.
1: That's it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I love his wife. She is so funny. Um, that mm. night during dinner, Paul uh, toasts to misery. They have a toast to misery. and um, But he says to Annie, can you go find some candles? Let's make it special. Um, when she gets up and goes to look for candles, he pours the powder that he has been gathering for days into her drink. Uh, she comes back and is lighting the candle, but not, she manages to knock over the candle and when she goes to pick it up, spills her wine. Yes. Uh, which I'm like, she totally knew what he did. She yeah. watched him. And Paul and
1: is devastated. He's like,
0: fuck. Oh, look on his face. I was like, no. Uh,
1: I mean, you would do whatever you possibly could at this point, though, I mean. You've got to try something.
0: Um, She apologises, pretending that Because, like, we all know that she knows. We all know Mm -hmm. she knows. Oh, God, yeah. But um, she is apologising and pours more wine and they are able to toast. Paul, absolutely devastated. (laughs) Yeah. Because he he was doing his best, you know? He was doing his best. Um, Paul continues his writing with Annie reading the finished chapters and this is where um, there's another, like, montage and whatnot, and we have the soundtrack of Tchaikovsky's Piano Concerto Number no. 1 by Liberace. Um, I used to be a really big fan of Tchaikovsky in high yeah. school. I, well, I was a classical musician, so I was like, oh, I, I I loved, like, the classical that they were playing throughout this. Oh, that's
1: awesome. I mean, I'm a big ballet fan, so obviously I love his oh, work no. for, like, Swan Lake and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> We went and saw um, Swan Lake on Ice with <sighs> my knees.
1: And it was oh wow. So beautiful.
0: I, uh, I think she was a little bit too young, but <laughs> she yeah. fell asleep and I was like, I love this. <laughs> it's a great story, Swan Luke. It's it's
1: the yeah. best ballet. People can fight me online. It. it is the best ballet.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen any other ballet, so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was my first and only yeah. um throughout this montage annie is filling in the ends um as he finishes each chapter and hands it over to her she is absolutely so excited so happy um and she she gets this really um childlike um like attitude and behavior like because she's just so excited about the ending and you know he's she's like begging him to tell her what happens Mm. and he's like oh no I'm not going to tell you what happens no 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 no. you have to wait and so there's this like playful kind of relationship going on at this point I don't know Mm. if Paul has accepted you know in the stages of denial that he (laughs) is stuck there now I think he's just trying to keep her as calm as possible and trying
1: to build a rapport with her even if it were more than likely fake. Because he yeah. just wants to keep her like stable, I guess is the word.
0: <laughs> please don't kill me out <laughs> of rage.
1: <laughs> don't yell at me. Please don't like attack me. Obviously we know yeah. that she does. But like <laughs> <laughs> he's trying, god damn it, he's really trying.
0: He's doing his best. Absolutely. Yeah. And and like you can see why Kathy Bates, were, you know, won this Oscar because she is just phenomenal. I've never seen yeah. anyone so versatile. And that's not just in this. Like, she is just so incredible in everything that she does. Um, oh, I'm man. a huge fan. And, yeah. um, I mean, it takes a lot for me to have a favourite actor or actress, so <laughs> normally I can't even remember people's names. So... Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, she's really she's a real standout actress and like she like you say, she's so versatile, she's done so much. Like she's, hmm. because she's you know, she hasn't just done horror, she's done other things.
0: Yeah. And like, she's just great. Why is she so amazing? A, she's a nice woman, <laughs> woman as well, stop.
1: <laughs> but it was definitely uh, nice to see you in American horror story though, because you know, keep, keep, keeping the horror flag flying, you know, she's gonna oh, do yeah.
0: that. Absolutely. Yeah. She was really good in Roanoke. Um I really yes. liked her in Roanoke. I liked it in Freak Show. People didn't like Freak Show, but I did.
1: I liked Freak Show. It was really fascinating. Thank you.
0: I liked it. (laughs) it, And it's because I've read a lot of, um, like, books, like, historical books about that time period and that these freak shows were established and it was kind of, yes, exploitive, very exploitive, but Mm. it gave um, a lot of disabled people a place to go and yep. a place to have a family. And so some of the books I've read are from people who were in freak shows, oh, um, that's which that's was great. really, I'll see if I can find them. Um, yeah, sure. And then there was like obviously some fiction. You've got like Nightmare Alley that talks about it a little bit. and Yeah. Um, I find it really, really fascinating that because, you know, in the 1930s when freak shows and circuses like this existed, um, most of those people would have been just left to die. Yeah it's so incredibly depressing
1: yeah especially i mean sarah paulson's great especially you know who um playing the the twins with polycephaly so obviously you know yeah it's it's essentially two headed you know bodies it's 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 quite quite unnerving but i mean it's incredibly rare but i'm fascinated about that i think it's i think it's amazing because like like, like, there are cases in which that, that has happened um yeah I'm um, just like, but she she did it brilliantly. But yeah, it's oh, I love Freak Show <laughs> as, as a little side.
0: It's, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. It's it's yeah. incredible, and it's um yeah. But I do hate obviously the explodive side of those kinds but, of. But she was great in that too. And I'm just like, do horror, please. Just keep doing horror. We love you. Just do it. Horror queen. <laughs> yeah. uh, one evening, Annie comes into the room, and she's quite down and out. Um, is this where she talks about how the rain makes her sad? Like, her, the what rain makes it? her blue? I think so.
1: Yeah, she she just comes in and just says random stuff, doesn't she? Like, it's quite weird. Yeah. And I think Paul's just like, what, what do you want? Like, Annie, just leave me yeah. a
0: little. <laughs> and he, she, she confesses her love for him at this point, which is like, yes, it's quite okay, odd. Odd. And that she's mm-hmm. afraid to lose him. And he's like, "Why? why would you lose me? And she says, because your book's almost done your legs are getting better and you're going to want to leave soon and he says no no you know um uh i like it here but uh, any he, uh, she's a skeptic obviously yeah. you know it's i guess amazing. the world hasn't been too kind to her um yeah. as you know her personality shows for sure um and she kind of like pulls out a gun says she's thinking about using it and then walks out of the house into the rain
1: yeah uh okay Says some pretty uh, dark stuff yeah yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. but she does say that the rain makes her blue quite sad Mm. and and that um i'll see if i can find the quote because what she says is kind of really really sad um Oh, she says, the rain, sometimes it gives me the blues. When you first came here, I only loved the rider part of Paul Sheldon. Now I know I love the rest of him too. I know you don't love me, don't say you do. You're beautiful, brilliant, a famous man of the world, and I'm not a movie star type. You'll never know the fear of losing someone like you if you're someone like me.
1: And that's, that's, so sad. that's surprisingly poignant <laughs> for Annie, actually. Yeah. That's very complimentary, very almost sincere yeah which makes some of the other things she says it's like she 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 flips doesn't she between like sort of sent, sentimental sincere stuff to like just the, the like the quote you had earlier when she was rambling on about the cereals and she'll flip yeah. into that. like the, she's so unpredictable she's yeah. very interesting
0: like she um, has the capacity um... to be rational and logical and like you said sincere and then there's mm-hmm. moments where the passion gets the best of her and she is rambling and it's like I can kind of see how that happens with people. Like, I get like that when I'm talking about things I'm passionate about. Like, yeah. it'll just be a stream of conscious... Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. absolutely. But she does have dark emotives with hers, and it's sort of... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Annie had the potential to be a very nice person, I think, but some, something happened at some point. Well, we know what happened, yes. don't we? Well, we do. <laughs> We do, yes. Uh, <laughs> but she's, yeah, I'm just kind of teasing it there. But yes, she's, <laughs> she is very interesting. Yeah, she's a. Yeah. I would love to just study her brain.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, wouldn't that be interesting? Mm-hmm. Uh, while she's gone, Paul makes another escape and manages to get a knife from the kitchen, which he's going to use to stab Annie. Mm-hmm. When he gets back, he finds a. Scr- on his way back to the room, he finds a scrapbook full of newspaper clippings that basically talk about her being suspected and tried for the murder of several babies as a maternity nurse. But due to lack of evidence, they were never able to convict her. So we know that Annie is very dark, that there is something going on and that she is unfortunately not mentally well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I always forget, is there reference to her ex-husband in the film or is that just the book? I don't think so. Was in the book, she was married, but um, he divorced her, citing mental difficulties or something like that, oh, or like mental cruelty. So that, that Paul does find something to do with her ex husband, alongside oh, okay. the that. babies. So yeah. th- there was some suggestion that Annie was married at some point, and then obviously he got the hell out of there. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, obviously, with, with a film, you can't explore everything, but she's a lot. Yeah. More well rounded in the novel for sure. Um, but that's kind of on top of, of, of what she did at, at her old job as well. So okay. she's incredibly yeah. dark, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, there's a lot of dark mechanics working. Hold on mm-hmm. one second. It's garbage day.
1: <laughs> there we go.
0: <laughs> Come on. It's recycling, so it's even louder than normal garbage. Loud <laughs> garbage. All right, they're gone. Cool. Um, <laughs> when he gets back into his room, he lays down and hides the knife in like the sling of his, uh, his arm. Because his arm is in a sling? I don't remember that. I just know that he like hides it up his sleeve.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I'm pretty sure because he, he had injured his arm as well because he's, he's really battered. So he's got, oh, he's yeah. got all the going on. So I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure he does have his sling. I'm pretty sure he does, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So he's so just, just... like, Yeah, he's really beaten up. <laughs> you know, he's broken both of his legs. He's he's screwed his arm up. So he's only really got one free hand, if you think about it. Yeah. That must have made writing really hard, but Jesus, this man. <laughs> this poor man. Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, I always forget how banged up he really is. Um, yeah. yeah. Gosh. He really takes a, a hiding <laughs> from the car crash. <laughs> poor man. Um... Annie does eventually come home and goes upstairs to her room to watch television, and Paul hides the knife under the mattress and goes to sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, During the night, Annie comes into into Paul's room and drugs him with a hypodermic uh, needle and straps him to the bed. He wakes up. I'm surprised this didn't all wake him up, like the needle. Yeah. I'd be like, what are you doing? And she says to him, basically, I know that you've been fucking around. She -hmm. says, I know I left my scrapbook out. I can imagine what you may be thinking of me. But you see, Paul, it's all okay. Last night it came so clear. I realised you just need more time. Eventually you'll come to accept the idea of being here. Paul, do you know about the early days at the Kimberley Diamond Mines? Do you know what they did to the native workers who stole diamonds? Don't worry. They didn't kill them. They... Uh, that would be like junking your Mercedes just because it had a broken spring. No, if they caught them, they had to make sure they w- they could go on working, but they also had to make sure they could never run away. The operation was called hobbling. And yeah. uh, basically she breaks his ankles with a sledgehammer.
1: Which... Yeah, this is, this is the mm. film's most iconic moment. Uh, yes. <laughs> which, like I said, in, in the novel, she actually cuts his foot off with an axe. Um, and they made the decision to amend that. I assume for censorship reasons, <laughs> uh, is probably. <laughs> um, but but I think you know, e- even being smashed in with a sledgehammer, that's still very. I mean, I mean, the, the film
0: it shows you it as well. Like, it's not exactly. Yeah. It's oof. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I oh, am. Yes, yes. I have a real big thing with bones breaking like mm-hmm. um like the sound of bone like you can give me you know blood guts anything and I'll be like oh that's gruesome yuck mm-hmm. but you give me a bone breaking and I will dry heave <laughs> cuz yeah. I don't know I don't know what it is I think cuz I've never really broken anything oh I've broken my nose but that's not really yeah. it was a, like a tiny hairline fracture but we're all um, bothered
1: by something though, aren't we? like some people can yeah. handle certain things on film, just some people can't like, that's, oh. it's, yeah, I have weird things <laughs> that bother me like I'm really weird with like I don't know like. I'm fine with blood and guts, but when people are sick, I don't like seeing people be sick for some reason.
0: I have a vomit phobia. It's
1: yeah, right. yeah, right. And like <laughs> that's more natural, quote unquote, than like. You'd think. It's bizarre. <laughs> yeah.
0: it's bizarre. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so silly. I think I like to think that um, because my dad loves M. Night Shyamalan films, and mm-hmm. so he brought the Sixth Sense home when I was like me. I think it came out when I was ten. And he was like, I've got to watch it. I love Bruce Willis. I love M. Night Shyamalan. So Unbreakable had come out before that, and my dad was obsessed with that movie. And so when The Sixth Sense came out, he was like, I have to see this movie. And so we were basically allowed to watch whatever we wanted. Um, As long as, like, when we went to the video store, dad would have a look at it and be like, oh, don't think so, or, yeah, cool, no problem. But if he had hired a movie and he said to us, if you think you can handle it, we can sit and I'll watch it, we'll watch it together um so like I, i'd i watched like a bazillion war movies by the time i had seen the sixth sense <laughs> like yeah. i was like oh i can handle this don't worry dad and the moment where misha barton like breaks out from under the sink and like projectile vomits i think that's the moment that gave me the, my vomit phobia oh, that was it yes. for me oh that's it yeah. for me mm. yeah i love the sixth sense but that scene i'm like oh gross yeah yeah <laughs> I was the kid that if someone pretended to throw up, I'd throw up. My cousins and my sister thought it was hilarious while we were kids. And I was like, (laughs) no. Well, we didn't. It wasn't really like a thing. Like a vomit phobia. Like no one really talked about it. Or like my auntie's boyfriend when I was a kid had the same thing. (laughs) And everyone's like, oh, you just have a weak stomach. And I was like, I don't think it's a weak stomach. It was the phobia you are yeah. a fool of anything, though, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Everyone's got <laughs> My phobias are vomit and holes. Oh, have you got
1: – is it tripophobia with a little – oh, I hate that. It makes it's me sick. it It's horrible.
0: It actually, like – churns yeah. my stomach and the worst thing is like whenever I have to google it to find out what the word is it comes, it comes up with pictures and I'm like why are you doing this to me That's horrible. I know oh god and I remember yeah. my first ever moment of having that was I had this book um it was like a like a science book mm-hmm. like for kids and it had like different chapters on like human anatomy and and blah blah blah, blah. and in the human anatomy section they had a close-up picture of the human tongue And it had, like, all these, like, circles in it, like a pattern of circles. And I'd literally, like, I don't know what it was, but I'd, like, oh, my skin would crawl looking at it and I'd, like, flip it over. But then I'd have to, like, look back to see if I still felt that way about it. (laughs) And I'd literally, like, sometimes just get it off my bookshelf to look at this picture of the human tongue to be, like, do I still feel sick looking at this? And I think I was maybe, like, seven. (laughs) I love her. oh fears are weird i mean i mean spiders yeah.
1: I, mean, I hate spiders with a passion it's just yeah my dad things. does too <laughs>
0: yeah my partner is spiders and snakes and so he was at my house this weekend and we've had a like a huntsman in our bathroom
1: oh, no stop. oh they're
0: fine no they're good they kill like all the other bugs they eat cockroaches no. and flies and stuff they're I've really good to have in the house i want to be sick oh, it was seriously like this uh, he was a little baby he was a baby he wasn't even oh, like furry and i was disgusting. like okay he's fine but then the next morning so i went into the bathroom and i was like oh i came back into bed and i was like there's a huntsman in the bathroom and he was like oh my god and so he didn't go to the bathroom until the next morning, and he was just like, "Can you just check if the huntsman's still there?"
1: <laughs> I was like, "What?" See, right. see, I feel so bad for him living in your country and fearing spiders because it, <laughs> it, in the UK, like we do not have venomous ones. Obviously, we don't have anything like that. We just have like yeah. generic ass house spiders. I'm scared of even them. I'm, I'm just like, to... nah, nah, nah. Yeah, my dad <laughs> is too.
0: My dad, yeah. like, my dad's like spiders make my skin crawl. Yeah. I was like, that's fine, but that, uh, they don't bother me. Like, the, like I had to clean out. I have, like, a wooden crate that a friend built me um, for all my records. And mm-hmm. I had it in, like, a storage section of our garage because our garage has been converted into, like, a room. And then yeah. there's, like, a bit at the end between a wall that my brother-in-law built and our roller door. And that's where, like, I will store some of my stuff. Mm -hmm. And I got the crate out and there was like eight redback spiders in there. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) Like nobody, like in Australia, I don't think anybody's died since like maybe the seventies from a redback spider. Like it's just not common at all to actually die from them. Like people get sick and need to go to to hospital and get anti-venom. The ones I worry about are white tips because they are so small and they're necrotic. So your skin rots and you have to go into a hyperbaric chamber to like stop the like necrosis it's really frustrating oh, one wow. of my friends in high school got bitten by one and she ended up with like a big hole in her hand like <gasps> like that it was huge uh yeah oh, and she geez. had to like yeah and for she wasn't at school for a while because she had to be at hospital with her hand in like a hyperbaric chamber getting treated jesus no yeah. this is terrifying
1: <laughs> no pardon this is terrifying i'm sorry. <laughs>
0: And we honestly don't see them that much. And everyone's like, oh, Australia, spiders and snakes. And I was like, the only snake I've ever seen in the wild was dead on my driveway. Oh, okay, well. <laughs> and it was fried in the sun because, like, I lived near a creek in a bush area. And so yeah. every now and then, like, people on my street had reported, like, seeing snakes and whatnot. And they'd let everybody else know, like, hey, there's some redbacks, like, red belly black snakes around at the moment. Just be careful. And, um, so, yeah, I, sent, I found a baby one, and it had died on my driveway because it just, like, was sunbaking. And oh, then, God. like, basically cooked on my driveway. And it was, like, all crunchy, and I had to, like, pick it up and put it in the bin. I was like, ew.
1: Honestly, like, phobias are terrible, though. And it, it, it's got me thinking, though. Like, obviously, I know you, you're yet to read the novel, but, like, maybe you were more bothered by the sledgehammer than you would be the axe if you don't, like, Oh,
0: uh, the axe great. is fine. There axe you would, go. You the see? The would it, fine. In
1: theory, the axe is meant to be like worse, but no, I suppose it just depends on on what you would consider
0: worse. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, crunching my bones because my ankles have arthritis. I'm like, oh, yeah. they already hurt enough. Maybe a sledgehammer would. Would help it. Yeah, and
1: to be fair, like I like said earlier, that shot of of the ankle break and it's pretty graphic too. you're Like, oh yeah.
0: my, why would that they do sick. that and not the not the axe? Really <laughs>
1: interesting. There must be a reason for it, but hey, I mean, yeah. stylistic choices, whatever, you know.
0: <laughs> it is, yeah, because whenever my grandma does speak about this movie, she's like, "Oh, that scene where they break his ankles," she's like, it "Gave me nightmares." Yeah, and she's read the book, so I'm yeah. like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, cool. yeah the next day uh annie goes into town and buster sees her yelling at a driver that cut her off um she goes into the library. she goes everywhere she's she's having her day out um but he goes into the library and looks through a book of old newspaper stories and finds the story of annie's trial um, he also finds a quote from a misery novel he had written down that she said to the reporters, which was fascinating. Um, he goes, he's like um, following Annie around. <laughs> I was like, he he's on to something. He's on to something. Uh-huh. Um, and he goes and speaks to Pete at the general store, who says that Annie has bought a large amount of typing paper. So Buster's like, holy shit. Paul is at Annie's farm, and he goes out there on his own. Yeah. Um, before he even gets there, Annie has drugged Paul again and hides him in the basement. Imagine that! Like, did she drag him down there because he's got two? Like, did she break both his ankles or just one of them?
1: Did both? I'm pretty sure. Oh fucking hell! Yeah. Oh God,
0: poor Paul.
1: <laughs> and that, and he's already had like a break on his legs. Yeah.
0: So he's just made it worse. Jeez. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um at the house, Buster is looking around and is about to leave because he thinks that he hasn't found anything. He hears the grill in the basement fall over because Paul has woken up and knocked it over. Mm-hmm. He finds Paul in the um in the basement. He goes down into the basement and finds him there. Uh he turns around and is shot by Annie, with a double-barreled shotgun. Uh, she also goes to, goes on to say to Paul that we must die together. Mm-hmm. But he says, yep, sure, no worries, but let me finish the book first. <laughs> <laughs> and it's <Yeah>. like, what? <laughs> Let's not. Um, you should, like, just let him go, maybe. <laughs> yeah, oh, my weird. gosh. It's terrifying, like, that that thought yeah
1: yeah i mean i i mean at this point is paul just continuing to stall for time or is he just i don't even know (laughs) i like does he (laughs) want to impress her i don't really know what what he's i mean his mental state is not great right now no
0: no absolutely not
1: he's through some shit (laughs) he's he's
0: seen some shit
1: he really has i mean and, you know, his one chance of escape, or so he thinks, was that guy. Now he's been shot with a shotgun. So that's great. <laughs>
0: Um Does Any not know the consequences of these kinds of actions? Yeah, apparently I mean, not. if she's planning to die, then...
1: But don't think she really cares.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, after some reluctance on her end, Annie agrees, goes and gets his wheelchair, and... Um, we see Paul smuggle a can of lighter fluid from the basement. So he's got a plan. Uh-huh. He has a plan. Good on him. He's finished, Paul is finishing up the book and he tells Annie that he needs a cigarette, a match, and a glass of champagne. Um, and Annie um, kind of asks him why he, did. So I think she says something about, didn't you quit smoking? Like, she knows the ins and outs of his life.
1: Yeah, she's very judgmental. It's like, well, you've just broken my ankles, bitch. Like, Give me a cigarette.
0: <laughs> if I'm going to die, give me a fucking cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she actually knows that this is a tradition for Paul when he finishes a book. Mm-hmm. So she's like, hell yes, let's go and do this. So she gets all those things for him. I don't know where she gets a cigarette from. Um, And he says, we need a glass for you as well because we're going we're gonna to toast together. We're going to cheers this off. Mm. Um <laughs> and I love this scene because it is so insane. Yeah. So um while she's gone, Paul sucks the m- uh, manuscript with lighter fluid. And when he returns, he sets it on fire with the match in front of her. So she is freaking out and she's trying to put out the fire. Um and while she's doing that, Paul picks up the typewriter and slams it down on her head. After this, there's, like, a real big struggle between the two of them. It's quite violent. He stuffs her mouth full of burning pages. Mm-hmm. Um, she attacks him. Um, <clears throat> and <laughs> he he trips her over in this point, And she falls and hits her head on the typewriter, which knocks her unconscious. He probably would have been like, oh, my God, thank God. Thank frickin' God for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, He crawls out of the room because he doesn't have any ankles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but Annie wakes up and tries to pull him back in. Grabbing a doorstopper nearby that is shaped like a pig, he hits her in the head, finally killing her. And I'm pretty sure at this point the house is also, like, on fire as well.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, he's... It's his carnage at this point. Um, I do love the fact that she you know, he hits her with the doorstop that looks like a pig, though, because the yeah. pig's called Misery, and it's like, Misery has killed Annie. <laughs> like, it's it's all very poignant, and, like, obviously hitting her with the typewriter is very poignant. Like, it's it's just, you know what I mean? Like, it's very his way of being like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. pretty good. Um, and, yeah, her, her death's quite... I don't know, I don't want to say anti-climactic, but it just sort of happens and you're like, oh, okay. Then-
0: <laughs> oh, he's dead. Okay. <laughs> Thank God for that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's probably, it's probably anti-climactic. Look, Stephen King does everything on purpose. Oh, God, yeah. Because miser- uh, Annie wanted this big climactic story for Misery where she comes back and she does this and she's this person. Mm-hmm, and true. I think that Annie sees, or well, tries to see so much of herself or, you know, loses so much of herself in the life of Misery and, and whatever misery's you know story is, that um, her death is probably anticlimactic on purpose.
1: Probably, <laughs> it's like, yeah.
0: Let's give her a really boring death because she wouldn't have wanted that. She she wanted to go out guns blazing, you know, and she didn't get that. She That's didn't really get to have point. that.
1: Like Paul just ended it, and He's like, oh Jesus Christ, finally.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Thank God. Honestly. <laughs> Um, so a few months later, Paul is back in New York City. He's walking with the aid of a cane. Um, and it says here in the book that it was he did have prosthetic feet or a yeah, prosthetic yeah. foot because yeah. he yeah. had lost his foot. <laughs> he, he got patched up, yeah, bless him. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. Uh, he's also released a new book titled The Higher Education of J. Philip Stone. Which um his pub like publishing agency has said that critics are giving good reviews and there's a chance that he's gonna win some prizes. Um, Paul's pretty happy, but insists that he wrote the book for himself. And um Marsha says, you know, uh, I'd really like you to write a nonfiction book about your experiences with Annie Wilkes and your you know being captive and whatnot, but shall, and Paul's obviously not wanting to do that. Um He is often, uh, we're shown that he often suffers from nightmares and hallucinations of Annie coming to get him for revenge. Um, As he says that, Paul sees a hallucination of Annie and is horrified. He realises it's only a hallucination um, and that it was actually a waitress who tells Paul she's a big fan of his. And Paul responds with, that is very sweet of you.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great <laughs> sort of end, isn't yeah. it? I think just you know, with all the PTSD and and the kind of the fact that nobody could ever say they were a fan ever again because he's just gonna have flashbacks to Annie. Do you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just ruined at this point, this poor man.
0: <laughs> it's I yeah, I absolutely love this film and the I would have said it's so interesting that they used a, that Stephen King wrote it from a female's perspective. <laughs> You know, yes. any being this crazy fandom when nowadays. It's a majority of men that behave this way. Yeah. And I think, you know, King's really
1: good at writing female characters though. I think obviously yeah. he's done Parry's incredible. I think in in the shine and certainly the novel, uh, Wendy Torrens is great. I mean, she's you know I'm critical of her in the shine in the film, but
0: yeah
1: you know, I do think he's very good at writing these female characters that are strong, perhaps for the wrong reasons. But yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's it's just good at it, and I think it was it was cool having a female villain. I think because we don't yeah. really see a lot of them, so I'm here for it, honestly. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I love um, I love that Stephen King isn't afraid to explore female villains because I think yeah. a lot of people don't want to go there, whereas Stephen King just does it so well, and it's I just like him. we know that women don't necessarily behave this way, and he hasn't based it off any woman in particular. And I'm sure he'd write a male character similar, that we do have these dark elements to us and these dark places that our minds go. And, yeah, Annie is definitely a personification of that, that people do go to dark places when they want something, when they're so determined to get something.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you, actually, do you have any kind of sympathy for Annie at all or do you just think that she's kind of irredeemable?
0: um towards the end very irredeemable um and i think that the fact that she i don't know if the book does it but there's no exposition set up as to why annie is as dark as what she is like why did she kill infants like i understand she's a serial killer but we all know that people get there somehow that yeah. something gets them there. And I mean maybe that's why King didn't write about that, because it's we know that people get to this point because something happens. You know, mm-hmm. um a lot of serial killers are the way they are because of, you know, a moment in their life that was pivotal and changed who they are as a person. And I don't feel empathy or compassion for that, but I know that there is a reason why people turn out that way.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I think I'm kind of inclined to agree really, I think, you know, to a certain extent, I feel bad for Annie because she's a clearly a very lonely, very troubled woman. But obviously, that doesn't excuse all the stuff that she's done and the way oh, that absolutely, yeah. Um, but yes, you are right. It, it tends to be a formative event or something. Um, but I, I, I don't think we find out that in the book either. To be fair, and I think, I think it's because we just see it from from Paul's perspective. So we're only finding out what he finds out. So yeah. there's not really room for exposition because he wouldn't just have all this information lying about, would you? You know what I mean. Like obviously, yeah. she wants him to find the scrapbook, like she puts that there. But you wouldn't have like a, you know, her life story. You wouldn't be able to find it. So yeah, she's left, she's left intentionally like ambiguous, which is actually quite interesting.
0: Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. That now that you say that, it's from Paul's perspective because we do we mainly yeah. see him fo- like as this the focal point throughout the film. That's definitely Tell how I remember the story. The group, it's, yeah. I'm pretty
1: sure... I th- I'm pretty sure it's third person. I mean, I think it is, but it's definitely from Paul's perspective. It's it's interesting though, yeah, because he's just Same. like, Christ.
0: <laughs> yeah, because they do have a biography for Annie. Um, so she was born in Bakersfield. She graduated from the University of California um, at the Los Angeles Nursing School in 1966 while serving as the head maternity nurse at a hospital in Boulder, Colorado, Several infants in her care died under mysterious circumstances. That's about it yeah um, paul Paul also learns that she killed several patients at other hospitals where she worked, but no one noticed because they were either very sick or suffered debilitating injuries beforehand and he also killed her father, her childhood neighbors, and their father, and their father her childhood Neighbours and their father, a hitchhiker she once slept with, all totaling almost 70 people.
1: Oh shit, yeah, that's big
0: information. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since I have read the novel,
1: so that yeah. is just crucial information that I have forgotten there. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> obviously, it is a lot more well rounded than, than the film, but at the same yeah. time, you, you also don't really know why as well. So, yes, yeah, she's done yeah. all these things, but you're kind of like, okay. <laughs> Um,
0: they do say that she is yeah. bipolar throughout the film Mm-hmm. and um yeah that which which would make sense look honestly i don't know much about bipolar besides the symptoms mm-hmm. so i don't i can't say if it was represented correctly or not yeah. so
1: i'm not sure either but yeah i think based based on what we see from her kind of personality sort of shifts perhaps but and obviously i think in the 80s i don't know how much was really known about it i mean obviously what we've got yeah. a, a lot of a lot more mental health awareness now which is great we, we know more yeah about these things but um yeah she's i, I want to kind of just a spin-off just about her really i'm not gonna lie i want to just know she's i want to know everything. rock
0: yeah is she she's played she's played by lizzie Kaplan. so it oh, says here any will um oh that's if it will be. So I don't know if it actually happened. Okay. Um cuz I didn't watch, see I didn't watch Castle Rock, but no, now I, I want okay. to. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, I yeah, I do now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Um yeah, I think I'm just double checking. Yeah, I think it did come out. 2017. Mm. Okay, well it says here on you. Um, a nur- uh, Annie Wilkes will be played by Lizzie Kaplan in season two of Castle Rock a nurse and superfan Annie is battling with mental health issues along with her half-sister Joy she ends up in waylay ends up waylaid in Castle Rock Maine during a feud between warring clans.
1: I'm not sure how I feel about anybody other than Kathy Bates playing her though like I'm protective yeah. <laughs> of Kathy Bates now
0: <laughs> it's like it's oh really, no thanks yes. don't do that yeah i mean because it would have been like a young annie if anything yeah yeah interesting all right yeah love that i love it yeah so that's really fascinating because it also says here um paul also finds out that annie used to be married to a physical therapist named ralph uh, dugan who later divorced her citing mental cruelty Annie was Bucks clearly at angry at him for leaving her, but to Paul's surprise, she didn't kill him. Yeah, <laughs> the reasons yeah. for Annie's leniency in this case are not explained in the novel.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the novel is, is a lot.
0: That's <laughs> great. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's misery. Sorry it for is. all of my fucked up notes, everybody. Uh, I hope you're able to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's
1: very much a one location film fundamentally, isn't it? You know, it's just Anne's yeah. house. So it, to be fair, it is easy to get confused because there's a lot going on in there. Yeah, because I was
0: like, wait, are we, is this day yeah. or night? Did this happen That's before it. this? And I'm like, oh God, oh God, mm-hmm. what have I done? Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the question that I ask all listeners, it, oh, listeners, guests, <laughs> is <laughs> what is the last horror movie that you watched?
1: The last horror movie I watched was, it was The New Scream. Five cream.
0: Oh, Five cream. <laughs> Five cream. Yeah, and I loved it. Brilliant, brilliant yes. film. Yeah, yeah, I actually um I made Jenna Ortega for President shirts for my website.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it was I was nervous about it and it was actually my first film of this year, like back in the cinema, like you know, after, yeah. after Christmas break. Yeah, me uh, too. I went, to, went to see it with a friend, went to see it on like a really big screen. The audience was really great. Um like like I was saying, to you off um off air uh, there like i enjoyed the, the kind of the, the way they modernized it and stuff and sort of you know um like the find my iphone like kind of gag and it's very clever
0: yeah
1: i i loved it yeah thought it was great
0: yeah one of um my partner's uh, friends uh messaged him and was like dude did you like scream and it's like hell yeah i love scream and he's like yeah, yeah i don't think i really liked it that much because you know <laughs> this happened and this happened and he's like um I don't think they understand, like you have to understand how self-aware the Scream films are, that they are based on fandom and people's love of horror and that in each era that they've, you know, um, explored in the Scream series is a reflection of how people behave around not just horror movies but film in general.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and it's just very aware. And it, it's it's people are s- say that Scream isn't a social commentary. It absolutely is. Oh, Every I single film.
1: It's been that way since day one, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. like With the original, you know, I think like and that opening of the original Scream is like so iconic. I absolutely love yeah. revisiting it that. It's just spot. On. <laughs> it's, yeah, I love oh,
0: it. I accru- wore my um my yeah. Scream like Drew Barrymore shirt to the screening of the latest Scream. Oh, brilliant. And then sat and cried. And I was like, I hope no one's like, remember that weird screen girl at the movies? <laughs> <laughs> Very crying, yeah. Yeah, I cried. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I did cry. Like, genuinely, there's some upsetting moments. There's some
0: emotional moments. It's it's a lot. Yeah. I'm so glad it wasn't ruined for me before I went and saw it.
1: Oh, same. I managed to avoid all spoilers somehow. I don't know, yeah. how, I pulled that I don't know how I did it.
0: I had COVID. Um, I was meant to go to the screening that Paramount had organized in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hell yes, I get to go see it. I'll have my review out like the next couple of days after. And then I got COVID and couldn't go. Yeah. <laughs> so I was annoying. like, damn it. I was meant to go with one of my best friends. We were going to have a girl date. It was going to be amazing. And then I, I and COVID. everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had to email them. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I can't make it. Um, I have COVID. <laughs> And I was like waiting for my results to come back because I got tested on the Sunday mm-hmm. and I was it was the Wednesday. So it was Wednesday morning. The screening was Wednesday night. And I was like, cool. Awesome. If my test results come back ne- negative, I can go see screen. <laughs> and then they yeah. came back positive, And I was like, fuck off. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, honestly,
1: I think it was
0: worth the wait, though. For five creams yeah
1: however,
0: like, <laughs> i am um, um, one of my friends uh on twitter posted about how the new naming convention will be for for six and i think they had spelled it like s c r six a m and i was yeah. like i read that as scram scram, <laughs> scram. i <love> it. <laughs> I, I will that's, watch that. That's I have. I, I. I hope that they're kind of passing on the torch to to Sam and um. I can't even remember Jen, Jen, Jenna's character's name. Um. Yeah. Go me. Um. I think that'll be a really beautiful start to like a whole new generation of Scream. To oh God, to, yeah. to not have Sydney and Gail in. Yes, they're iconic, but I think um it's time for it to be passed on.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, obviously they, they were in, like all three of the originals were in this one. But, like, like you say, I think it's time for them to go off and be free. Be free from both yeah. things.
0: You've had enough, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Just, you need a break. Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. well, I didn't even, I haven't even watched a horror movie this week. I watched really? The Fallout with Jenna Ortega and um, Maddie Ziegler? Ziegler? Yeah. It was really good. It was heartbreaking. Okay. Um. It's about three teenagers who are trapped in a toilet cube together during a school shooting and then their lives afterwards. So oh my god. Oh shit. It's really interesting. Um, beautifully done, beautiful film. It's a coming of age film as well. Mm-hmm. Like at the same time, it's um it's really, really lovely. There's a scene where she's like yelling out like swear words with her dad and I was just bawling my eyes out because um I have a, I have a single parent, my dad, and just this, like that'd be so awesome to do that with my dad. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I think those kind of films, I would definitely cry. I'm a big crier.
0: Oh yeah, 100%. I only ever cry in movies. I don't cry anywhere else. Really? Yeah. I just cry all the time.
1: <laughs> Not literally, but like you know, I, I, get I wish I was. I
0: wish my brain would let me do that. <laughs> I just I don't get that up. Dramatic. I only cry when um when I'm really angry because I can't filter out like how I feel. So I will like ball my eyes out when I'm angry. Oh
1: yeah. Fr- frustrated crying is not the one.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, that's, uh like if I call my sister or my dad crying, they know I'm angry. Oh <laughs> They're just like, Oh no, what's happened?
1: <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Like, yeah. It's a
0: bit yeah. How do I? I don't know how to deal with this emotion right now. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, where can listeners find you and your work?
1: Yeah. So I am on Twitter predominantly uh, at Lucy yeah. jade Douglas. So that's just my full name. Uh, and I also have a podcast which I have abandoned, but I I am bringing it back. I promise. You heard it that? I did say that. that. It's <laughs> Um. Yeah. It's at TV Time Pod. Um. Which I talk about TV shows and invite people on for a drink. And we just have a chat. And yeah, it's, we've done some good ones. So I'm looking forward to kind of getting it back and doing it properly. So
0: I haven't listened to many TV podcasts, so that's going to be cool. uh... Yeah. I
1: mean, I, in my day job, I write about TV, like more than I write (laughs) about fun. So I was like, let's just channel it into something else and just, you know, do it on the side. So it was a bit of a lockdown project. It was, yeah. I'm bored in lockdown. I want to talk to people. Let's let's do that. You That's know? why I did this
0: because I was just Absolutely, like I'm, right. I'm just I don't socialize. I'm stuck in at home. Let's mm-hmm. make some new friends.
1: Oh, it's it's brilliant. I, I love it. Like I, I miss doing it. So I need to just yeah. sort myself out and do it more.
0: <laughs> What's what are some shows that you've talked about so far?
1: Oh, so some of my favorites. We did our first one. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. It's um it's a sin the Russell T Davis one about the AIDS crisis. That's really good. Um. Okay. Some of my personal favorites: We Bo BoJack Horseman. I love that series. Nice, yeah. Um, <laughs> Ozark was a good one. Um, gosh, we've, we've done loads. We've done uh, the Queen's Gambit. I oh, love the Queen's Gambit. I that love was brilliant. That yeah, that was great. I loved that one. Um, okay, Succession obviously is a big one. I've so watched that. It's brilliant. It's so it's good. It's all
0: over my. Um, I have a real big thing with watching TV shows with lots of rich people. I get really angry. <laughs>
1: This is the problem with succession. You hate everybody, and you're kind of supposed to. So you just sort of hate oh, okay. what. Right. Um, okay. can
0: right. But at the
1: same time, you're like, oh,
0: I hate it <laughs> Have you talked about Euphoria?
1: I haven't seen Euphoria yet, so no. Oh, okay, interesting. But I would like to. I've heard good things That's about
0: really good. it. Yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting, and it's so yeah. funny because people are people are like, oh my god, high school can't really be like that. And I was like, dude, I was doing that kind of shit in high school. Yeah. going to parties and getting drunk and doing drugs like where where do you people live I mean we didn't have the kind of clothes that they have in euphoria but I was definitely doing some of that shit
1: <laughs> yeah no i mean but i'm i'm surprised people think that's not a thing though because you always see that in yeah. like american films don't you like oh party and shit like that's so normal <laughs>
0: it's so normal i don't and i think it's cuz it's the level of drugs that people are doing and it's okay. like, do you really think teenagers aren't doing that or don't have access to that? Because you're crazy if you think that.
1: <laughs> well, they'll do it if they want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's there, I was doing it. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I'll watch it at some point, though. I mean, my my list really is insanely long at this point. But,
0: oh wow! Yeah. yeah.
1: Yes. Amazing. With, with TV, you've got to commit as well. You've got to be like, right. That's oh yeah. It. You've got, you've to watch got to watch it. the whole
0: thing. That's why I like. Um, what did I start watching recently? And it's on a break because I think it's NFL season. I'm not too sure. You know how in America they'll do like a season break? Oh yeah. hmm Um, The Sex Life of College Girls. It is so oh, funny. Okay. Okay. It is written by uh Mindy Carling. Mm-hmm. The comedian and author. She is so funny. This okay. TV show cracks me up. It's about Ooh. um a quite a prestigious college. Where um, most of the girls that are in the dorm room sharing together are on a scholarship, like they mm-hmm. got in, or their parents, yeah, have sacrificed a lot to get them there, and um, it's just so funny. It's so fucking funny. And the one of the lead actresses is actually Timothy Chalamet's older sister.
1: Oh wow! I didn't know she. And I asked was like, it. what? <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah. And she plays my favourite character because she's like this girl from a small town who is just, doesn't know what's going on in the world and she's trying to find herself. And it's, it's really yeah. wholesome in a way as well. And they tackle some yeah. pretty heavy issues but in a way that you can underst- not understand but empathise and be like, holy shit, that fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Where I know That's that some so. TV shows don't do that or miss the mark in that. But, yeah, it's really funny. And the cast course, they yeah. have is just fucking hilarious. So. Okay, cool. Look it's up. really cool. Like one of the actresses is a girl who um, is studying writing. Her family thinks she's starting studying like science. <laughs> but oh. she's studying. She, yeah, changed all her plans. And um, she wants to be a comedian. And it's just, <laughs> it's so amazing and so funny. And, yeah, it's really freaking cool. I highly awesome. recommend it to everybody. It's only got 10 episodes so far and they only go for like 20 minutes. So, so easy to watch and it's just, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I love well, the new series. Oh yeah. I As soon as I saw the trailer, I was like, I oh, am watching this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for joining me i Well, oh, you for having me. It's been a blast. I mean, I'm happy yeah. I was
1: able to come on and talk about such a great film, <laughs> it's a brilliant film. Like it really. It is, is a
0: fantastic film. I highly recommend yeah. that everybody go and see it. I know that some people will listen to the podcast even if it's movies they haven't seen, and I'm like, yeah. okay, well, definitely just, watch well, this. The whole thing for you, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and thank you, listeners. If you enjoy the podcast, please remember to leave a rating and review where you listen to your podcasts. To catch the latest from me, you can find me on Twitter at catstead or on Instagram at cat. I just recently changed it. Sorry, guys. Um, to see all the latest from the podcast, please follow the show on Twitter at TGIFpod. You've been listening to TGIF. See you next Friday.